Welcome back, listener. It's Hard Men to Please, episode 33. Today we're talking about Jordan Peele's Get Out and Keanu. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Jared. I'm Ethan. I've actually never been, uh, I think since we started this podcast, less enthused about our topic. <laughs> Man, we've had some bad topics, too. What's our worst topic? Uh, most of them. Most of them are bad? <laughs> no good? Uh, probably the horror uh, October sequence we did was pretty rough. That was, that was hard to get through, but I was excited about it as we did it. It was the nadir because we also had like cool guests. We had a- uh, Adrian on twice. Oh yeah, we got to bring him back. Oh, yeah, I feel like we should have had him for this one. That's true. He probably would have been. <laughs> yeah, he probably would have been really good. He's... I mean, actually, I can't think of a single one we've done that wouldn't have been enhanced by having Adrian on. <laughs> Man, isn't but he great? What, you know what? You know what I'm excited about though. What? It's just you and me now. Aww. All those fucking extra guests. Aw. Hope they're not fucking... listening. Yeah, I hope they're not. Those extra they guests who add so much. Those bastards. <laughs> How dare they? The ones that uh, contribute to our only listenable podcast. <laughs> but you know what? Here's the thing, though. It's so much more of a bitch to edit those episodes because mm. it's an extra uh, track. Yeah. So, so we're stripping it's really it down. Laziness. Yeah, keeping it, keeping it real loose. Keeping it real. Keeping it loose. Yeah. Keep it loose, keep it tight, as Amos Lee would say, famous Amos Lee. <laughs> Did he say that? Because that's uh, oxymoron. Uh, I don't know. He's he's got a, he's a Counter- musician. They exist on another plane. So, mm. what you're going to contrarian plane? Yeah, I am. I just did. Yeah, his cookies are dry. Uh, famous Amos cookies are delicious. Yeah, but they're dry. You got to admit they're super. They are dry. dry, but they soak up milk really nicely. Mm. See, I don't drink milk. Yeah, but you can do like almond milk if you uh, hate the earth and want to contribute to one of the most water-intensive crops on the planet. Which I do, and I do. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was watching a movie at the dentist's office the other day. Yeah? Was it Trolls? No, it was before (laughs) that. They changed it to Trolls when a bunch of kids came in. Before that, it was some Kevin Costner movie I'd never heard of. I think it was called like... I want to say Manchester, but that's not it. I think it's McFarland, USA. (laughs) It's like the worst marketed movie I've ever heard of. McFarland, USA. Yeah. Yeah. So Seth McFarland directed it? No, it's one of those movies about like, kind of like, um, you know, where this team of minorities is overcoming. I mean, it's kind of a uh, cool runnings, but <laughs> instead of Jamaican bobsled team, it's That's a, a uh, movie. I don't know where the fuck it was. Maybe it's New Mexico or something like a New Mexican, like a, what? uh, or maybe oh, oh it must have been California. I already hate it. Must have been California. So there's a Californian cross country team. So it's this hmm. coach who gets fired for uh throwing a cleat at a student during a football game. <laughs> and then he like travels to it's a really weird movie because he travels to like this this town that's apparently a lot of like migrant um like uh almond pickers and he's like really oh. freaked out by how many Mexicans are in the town. <laughs> and he's like, We're not staying here, honey, I can't have you and the girls here and then uh he figures out that the, the the kids are really good at running, and then he can exploit them for personal glory <laughs> uh, if they create a cross-country team. And I didn't get too far in it, but, I mean, I was following all the beats. <laughs> you left before the redemption, so everyone was well, still Well, a bunch of kids flooded into the uh, dentist's office, so they changed it to the Trolls movie. Oh, okay. But, uh, 
Oh yeah, I mentioned that because they were they were talking about almonds and how much of a bitch it is to pick them. Yeah, and I was like, oh, well, I feel even worse about drinking like four gallons of almond milk a week. <laughs> I know, but so good. Invent a better milk. Yeah, I love the sweet taste. <laughs> yeah. Come on, yeah. people. That's for damn sure. We get some uh, robots to pick them. Uh, I mean, it's still water intensive, so it still sucks. But oh know. yeah, Earth. Yeah, we need Fucking that. Or, dude, the Earth is fucked now. Like, currently, the <laughs> permafrost is about to uh, just like release a shitload of methane and carbon into the atmosphere. Just right now, it's fucked. <laughs> just happened. Yeah, it's well, it's about to get way more fucked. I'm just getting like <laughs> so much anxiety. We just read the news. I'm like, oh, I just got to remind myself that um. You're going to die. Certain. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, I'm going to die. The result's going to be the same no matter what. Uh-huh. I'll probably get through the next, you know, 50 years maybe. Ooh, if you're lucky. Uh, yeah. With modern medicine, you can probably live. I'm white. I'm male. <laughs> I'm not, you know, poor, so I'll probably be fine. Yeah. I have time to do bullshit like this dumb podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're fucking living the life. Yeah, speaking of being white and uh, well off and the problem with the world, uh, how was Get Out? <laughs> yeah, it was good. You sound like you know more about it than I assumed you knew. <laughs> um, I just know that it's kind of a uh, like racial dynamics-based uh, horror movie, and it was yeah. written directed by Jordan Peele. Yeah, his directorial debut. Nice. Um, Extra good when you get to pronounce the T in that word. Yeah, you, you have to. Um, it is really good. I was, uh, begging. You were chomping at the bit to watch for like uh, a whole week because everyone was, everyone was chomping about it and champing. Yeah, there was a collective champing and I was like getting all antsy in my pantsy because I was like, uh, I want to see it before either it's too hyped or it's spoiled or. Yeah. Apparently like, you got to see it in the theater. You can't see it at home with your pants off. Like, okay, I'll well, take my pants off at the theater uh, then. <laughs> <laughs> so does that hold up? Do you have to see it in the theater? Um, I mean, have to. I don't know. It, uh, it was a, it was enhanced. Uh, it, it, there was a lot of, uh, you know, the squeal. If you enjoy hearing other people squeal, I guess. Yeah. Like some kind of freaky person. Other people, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because when I was watching Trolls at the dentist's office, uh, my daughter kept like, no, but she was having like really cute reactions to things like big audible gasps and all the other kids would like turn around and be like, what the hell, kid? <laughs> They're like really losing it laughing if they showed a butt. <laughs> yeah, a lot of butt jokes. But anyway, so what's uh, what's Get Out about? It's about Elaine Bennis finding out shocking information. <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> I could not think of that. The Seinfeld scenes. Um, yeah. But uh, no, it's not about that. It is about, um, according to IMDb, a young black man visits his white girlfriend's mysterious family estate. So it's... Killing it on the pronunciation tonight. (laughs) Thanks. So yeah, Allison Williams is the white lady. And Daniel Kalua is... Isn't it David? No, Daniel. Oh, okay, I must have misread it. Yeah, I was putting good it job. together. <laughs> so yeah, so the I mean the the structure, the the plot of the story is they're they're meeting the white family for the first time, and you know he's kind of on edge just from them, you know, being white and him being a black man in America. He kind of knows 
knows the beats. Yeah. But uh, then it all gets crazy nuts. And it, so does he, I mean, is he trying to play up like his, you know, like hide part of who he is for the sake of the family? Or is he trying to like, you know, be the meet the parents situation where he's trying to like measure up? No, they they don't play and it. And then it's not a comedy? <laughs> no, they don't, they don't play it that way. He, um, the whole time his character is pretty steady. Like the whole, like the, you know, first big joke is him asking her, like, have you told him I'm black? And she's like, no, why would I do that? And he was like giving her that, oh, man, I know what's going to happen now face. <laughs> was it? Was this uh, like one day after he was already at the house? Wait, what do you oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the whole family's blind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, it, it, it plays well as, you know, just a straight-up horror movie, but then also it's got obviously like the – pretty clear allegory to you know racial it's kind of like the it's tackling like the evolution of racism because mm. the like without giving too much away i mean all the white characters in the movie are kind of seen as like liberal progressives yeah and so <laughs> <laughs> he he wrote it during or jordan peele wrote it during obama's administration so mm-hmm. one of the first jokes from the dad is about how he would have voted for Obama for a third term if it was possible and just kind of like like as a uh, proof how like cool he is with black people. Yeah, he's yeah, he says that to the <laughs> black boyfriend. And like the whole thing he's he's kind of like like apropos of nothing. I mean, kind of unsolicited. Like, hey, nice to meet you. I uh I would have voted for uh <laughs> I bought I bought Beyonce's latest CD. <laughs> yeah, I mean he go, they go to the house like it's you know a huge mansion, and he's kind of taking them through the house and going through all the, all the like artifacts he's collected from you know uh, African and foreign cultures, and he's just kind of talking about how he you know embraces so many cultures and how it's the what is it like the greatest gift I think is experiencing someone else's culture. So he's trying to you know paint the picture that he's an open minded guy, and. Mm-hmm. You know, later on when the movie kicks in with the horror, you know, you kind of see where that comes back to bite him. But it's it's interesting in that regard that it's it's the the enemy is not like just the goofy, um, like stereotypical racist white people. It's like the new age white people who. Yeah, that's kind of interesting to me because like um like what I hated about uh, Django Unchained is that. Tarantino had the courage when he made Inglorious Bastards to give make some of the Nazis have like some positive qualities. Like even yeah. if they were bastards, they were not also cowards, you know, they would face death with dignity or whatever. Yeah. Um and he really wasn't willing to do that with uh the slave owners in Django Unchained mm-hmm. where like one of my favorite characters and I think we talked about this already probably, but uh Benedict Cumberbatch in 12 Years a Slave is like a nice guy who's also a slave owner. Right. So like, I mean, he's not actually a nice guy cause he's selling a human being <laughs> and he's selling him specifically to someone who he knows is going to beat the fuck out of him. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, he's a weak, you know, well, oh, I'm a nice guy. Don't, you know, don't be, don't judge me for this. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Tarantino just went full out and they were all like very like stereotypically like goofball, racist, dumbasses. And I thought yeah, like that dumb, was dumb, very stupid. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. And so that that almost is like, yeah, and that's written by Tarantino, who's a white guy, because it's kind of like, 
pushing pushing away the spotlight like these are the racist people they're like stupid yeah, very very unlike me yeah very unlike me and very like open about the racism but this movie is like trying to you know change the perspective and be like this is what black people in america are dealing with even today like people That's cool, then. yeah it's like people who try to portray that they have the best intentions are still treating black people as like the other yeah as like something um, to study but not like part is of it scary culture. That's the thing. Uh, that was the thing I wrote down as a con. I mean, you're hard. So. Yeah, I'm a hard man. So I'm not very easily frightened, except for Sixth Sense. But. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird uh, exception. <laughs> I, was trying, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of the least scary, scary movie I could think of. Um, I didn't think it was that scary. It was. Do you think it, w- do you think it would be scarier for black people? Because it would be like kind of. <laughs> Well, I'm, I mean, like, literally, like, because it's, like, kind of a, an, an allegory to something they actually deal with. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, a black person seeing this movie is going to see it in a very different way, I imagine, just because it's speaking to them differently. But I, I don't know. It doesn't... It, it's it's more of, like, a creepy, like, slow burn kind of horror movie. Like, the, okay. it doesn't like really... Like Misery? Well, I didn't see Misery, but yeah. So it's kind of something, like... I was listening to another podcast, so I'm I'm stealing this word. Uh, it's Hitchcockian horror. Mm. Well, it's not maybe um, more tension. Yeah, a lot more tension based and just kind of unsettling the things that are happening because, okay. like I was saying, the people seem like normal, but then they slowly unravel and like you see the the darker side, and so it's very slower uh, burn for that. Well, the other thing I had, the problem I had, I don't know if it's necessarily a problem. But either I'm getting way smarter at watching movies, which is very, very <laughs> unlikely. The podcast does it. It makes you smarter at watching movies. Yeah, even just listening to this podcast makes you much smarter. But I felt like maybe the movie like tipped its hand a little too much. Like I kind of, I kind of saw the things coming that were coming, and mm. maybe that's just the the um, the byproduct of like a really well written script, because throughout the movie. There's a lot of callbacks. It's like full of callbacks, so it completes a circle a lot. It's really satisfying. Like, in that like regard. Edgar Wright, like. Yeah, very much like Edgar Wright. Um, little things. I don't remember his movies being terribly predictable, though. Yeah. Not that I can think of. Well, but it, Edgar Wrights are a little different. Like in Hot Fuzz, like there's a re- re- repetition of scenes, but with you know a slight a twist to it. Yeah, different context. Yeah, like the end of the movie is kind of a lot of repetition from when he first goes to town. So maybe it's a little different because it's like not necessarily that you have to see that coming because it's just kind of the same thing after, you know, a slight reveal has been made in the characters. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like, you know, they're, the twists and turns that came in Get Out, I kind of had an idea were coming before they came, which, I mean, wasn't it didn't hurt the movie at all. Doesn't it though? What does that mean? It didn't hurt the movie that you saw it coming. Maybe was it more tense that you saw it coming? I mean, I could see that. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I I really like the movie just because, like I was saying, it's just such a tight script, and I really appreciate that. Movies that are just real, like real tight butthole. Yeah, so tight butthole. <laughs> but maybe if it was something 
a little bit looser, I wouldn't have seen some of the twists and turns coming, which may have improved the uh, the viewing experience. Well, I'm fucking stupid when it comes to twists. Like I, I every time I see I a movie too. or hear people talk about twists that were like, "Oh, so they're coming a million miles away," I never see them coming. So when I see a twist coming, it's just like that was really fun. Like uh, the Dark Knight Rises is a good example. I was just reading something that I'd written with someone else, like just an exchange about that movie, and mm-hmm. they're talking about how the twists in it were so obvious, and I didn't see either of them coming. So <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't see those coming either. Yeah, so I was like, oh, well, I think they're dumb twists, but I didn't see them coming, so I guess, you know. Yeah, no, I'm like that too, and I don't really usually like to think ahead in the movie because I kind of want to just, like, live in the moment of the movie and let it, you know, reveal itself to me. Yeah, real fat baby just sitting there munching it up. (laughs) Yeah, just sucking it on my eyeballs. But I don't know, maybe it's just just a, a product of the script. All right. Well, uh, and it was funny. You said real funny. Um, it, it had some laughs. Um, yeah, good laughs. I mean, not as scary or as funny, I think, as people are saying, but still really good and really satisfying to watch. Nice. Look out, Oscars twenty eighteen. Here we come. I wouldn't be surprised if it if it was nominated for something. Ooh, um, back to back black like, Oscars. Yeah. Like you know best uh, original screenplay, maybe or something. You, you know what they say about when you go black. Okay, <laughs> we go back to back. Um, but so, yeah, it, let's put a stamp on this. What's the stamp on it? What do you mean? Two thumbs up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Three. I only thumbs have up? two, so I'll give it. I'll <laughs> give it two. Currently, All I right, only cool. have two. And so, at your insistence. Uh, we coupled <laughs> Get Out with uh, Keanu, which is the first Jordan Peele written movie. Yeah. Uh, not directed by him, no. but starring him and Keegan-Michael Keel. Key, sorry. <laughs> Key. Yeah. Keegan-Michael Key. Uh, Jordan Peele. And uh, of the Key and Peele comedy trio and the TV show that you love. Uh, yeah, I love its sweet taste. Did you uh, used to watch Key and Peele a decent amount? Uh, not really. I I watched like <laughs> I watched some of the like better skits on YouTube. That's really I've only ever oh, watched okay. on YouTube. Oh, um, yeah, I, I could see that. I, I've I've watched it before, but mostly on YouTube and not in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason was um, it felt like their shtick was a. Uh, I don't know. I just felt like they would have an idea for a skit and then like drive it into the ground yeah. in a way that like even SNL would find excessive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, they always seem like they struggle to find a way to make it go beyond, you know, once you get the joke, it was like, there's nothing else in this skit. You're just kind of writing it out. Yeah. It was, it was more mad TV than SNL in that regard. Maybe, but like every, all the skits I've seen, like the, the idea of it is so funny. And so, like clever that it's it keeps you coming back but yeah it's like maybe make these like half as long yeah it's almost like you know the old days of albums before they were made as an album and it was just like you know a long uh a long play record but the only reason that they even made it was to sell like two or three songs on it like the hits (laughs) yeah 
it feels like Key and Peele, the skits were like, they had a really good idea that would make like a great meme mm-hmm. and be just a good cultural reference to make. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a Chappelle show was. Right. But, you know, they would just house it within this extremely long skit. And the only one that I remember that really seemed to actually uh, kind of go somewhere was the one where they they keep mentioning how, like, they told their wife off and called her a bitch <laughs> to her face. But they were like really like hesitant to say the word bitch because their wife might hear them right and they go like just to more and more extreme lengths to get out of earshot until they're like finally in space yeah 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 (laughs) which uh i mean that's good and i mean again the core joke is very funny but Mm -hmm. um the other thing about and these these are both uh in terms of your tight script and things coming around these are all going to apply equally to keanu (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, it seemed like <laughs> the main joke that they like to do. The main well was that they were kind of like, I mean, are they both half white in real life? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, either way, their major thing was that they were like self-consciously lacking in blackness. That they were like kind of nerdy black men who, yeah, were like self-conscious about that and wanted to then uh, measure up to like a black stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um. That's yeah, and a lot of, lot of watching, like playoff. Yeah, that. just watching enough skits, it kind of got old. And the the worst thing is they're not even that good at it. Like I don't think they were that good at like doing the, like I don't think you could call it blackface, but like when they play up, you know, it's like when uh, like Dave Chappelle used to say he'd do, you know, every black man in America speaks two languages, street and uh, job interview. <laughs> yeah. And it feels like these guys are kind of the opposite where they're like their normal selves were job interview, mm-hmm. but like for the sake of measuring up or like, you know, being cool, they would like talk street, but it was always like really awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that same, I, I was watching a few of the Keen and Peele sketches uh, in preparation for this. And a lot of the jokes were kind of recycled in Keanu. Um Yeah. I mean, especially well, that one. I mean, so many of their jokes kind of play off that same dynamic of like how a black person should act based on you know what people are expecting of them. Uh, yeah, and uh, so so yeah, so that brings us to Keanu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jordan Peele wrote it with Alex Rubens, who is another writer from Key and Peele. Um, is directed by Peter Atencio, who I don't know who the fuck that is. Or what he's done. He directed key, some Key and Peels. Okay, this is straight up a Key and Peel movie then. Yeah, and The Last Man on Earth. Uh, oh, with, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, Will, Forte. Will Forte. Yep. Who, is he ever good, Will Forte? Ooh, we're having a, is he actually good talk? Um, yeah, I guess we're going to have that out. I liked, I think, I don't know if the bit was on SNL or not, but he did a bit where he was kind of like, Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, that's the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> what other guy? That's the Portlandia guy. <laughs> uh, Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen. I was thinking. Oh yeah, Quality I like Fred Armisen. Well, who I... does like the like the whispering guy joke. Well, Will Ford. I mean, he had some good bits on SNL. His best bit, I think, was when he was going door to door on Halloween as a pedophile. Or as a sex offender, and then John Hamm was the neighbor who was like, "Wait a second, are you?" Is that your costume, or were you ordered to go door to door to tell your neighbors you're a sex offender? He's like, "It's Halloween. 
and I'm a sex offender, <laughs> and you know, tried to avoid saying it. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's good in movies though. He's just one of those like SNL guys who I don't think is good in movies. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's like very unoffensive. He gets like a you know a, a nasal laugh out of me. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. But yeah, um, I guess he's not he's not like gonna blow you away. So yeah, this is not gonna be the movie that blows you. <laughs> uh, the plot of this one is that two soft black nerds need to pretend to be hard so they can infiltrate like a drug ring so they can recover their stolen kitten, mm-hmm. who is Keanu. Mm-hmm. Um, what what are your overall thoughts on it well first off uh confirmed that both jordan peele and giga michael key have white mothers so there you go okay um what's my overall thoughts on keanu yeah i mean kind of like we were talking about with it's the same i get with like a lot of the key and peele sketches like there were some moments i laughed not not not, not too hard laughs but um a lot of the jokes were probably played out too long um, I was really thinking it was going to be terrible, like pure garbage. Oh, really? Into it. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was going to be really bad, but it was not that bad. So it exceeded my <laughs> very low expectations. Uh, I remember when I first saw ads for it, I was really excited for it. Um, really? And I think something quirky about the idea of it being a very kitten-focused action comedy Reminded me a bit of like Pineapple Express, like yeah, a comedy with enough of a weird kink in it that it's it's going to be a bit different. Um, and I think it's definitely a less good version of Pineapple Express. Mm-hmm. And you know what it feels like? It feels like um like a first draft before it's like smoothed out and like the jokes are all like punched up. Yeah, yeah, it could definitely use a little punching up. Like remember, up. um, I was telling you about I was reading the Office Space script this week, and uh, like just little perfect jokes, like the whole um, the Bob's can't pronounce uh Samir's last name, so he's a naga naga not gonna work here anymore. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that's a great joke that feels like it doesn't quite feel like the reason they named the character that, but it kind of does in retrospect. Like after you hear the joke, it's like, oh, that's perfect, but you yeah. didn't see it coming. Um, and those little kind of like, you know, snippets along the way, just the tightness of the script is something that, I don't know, it feels like that. And it, it feels like a, maybe like a comedy central movie that never found like a <laughs> cinematic ob- audience, you know, like in theaters. Yeah. It definitely feels like the first movie from a sketch artist, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, yeah. all the SNL movies, the majority of them, this is what it, this is, this one is like the majority, not the few that were actually good. Yeah, that's kind of true. Um, I mean, like, what like what was the biggest laugh in this movie, you think? The biggest laugh in the movie... I See, I laughed at, like, really little things. Like, I loved when the... Um, when the, the kitten's first stolen and the police are there. And uh, they're like, is there any chance, like, you'll you'll catch these guys? And the, the officer's like, no, not really. And then uh, uh, Peel was, like, kind of... Like, or I'm sorry, Key is uh, kind of like giving her the look like he can't handle this. Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, oh, no, totally. Yeah, there's a good chance we'll find him. And then they take the blanket back from him. I don't know. I, I, like, I think taking the blanket was one of the, the bigger laughs. Right? 
Yeah, it was like really, and that's what I was saying. It seemed like all the jokes that I thought were really funny were like really small jokes that were the kind of thing that you would add in a rewrite mm-hmm. rather than like the big set pieces. I thought almost none of them were funny. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, like for instance, that the whole, the whole scene where they're in the, the van and, uh, Key is convincing all the hard drug dealers in the van with him that George Michael is actually a really badass. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that's, it's a good joke. I guess that made me laugh when they first put on his playlist and it's a bunch of George Michael's, uh, George Michael songs. Yeah. Because he's like such a nerd, but it, it didn't go anywhere, you no. know? Yeah, yeah, it was just kind of yeah. There are a lot of like good ideas, but yeah, they're just not executed very well. Like, I mean, there's like not any good quotes or yeah. I can't really think of like the biggest laugh, which like you're saying, Office Space. I mean, extremely quotable movie. Um, or like we did the other last time, Princess Bride. It's like yeah, it's insanely good script because it's just like every other line is like a quote, a funny joke. Out of almost out of the context of the movie, yeah. And, none and of these both jokes... movies have uh, like every character has a very clear character. Yeah, that's the one thing that killed me about this one is like almost none of the characters were that interesting. And I think when you have that, you have a, a movie that it just kind of doesn't go anywhere. Like for instance, so they have one one of the good set pieces was they go to um, it was probably my favorite thing the movie did. Uh, the although it didn't make sense, so they're selling this mm-hmm. new drug that they call holy shit. That's like it's like MDMA and PCP and mescaline or something mixed. Uh-huh. And they he's showing them how to sell it, but the first place they go to sell it is like they have an appointment at Anna Faris's like Beverly Hills mansion to sell it, which is like well, at that point, like. I feel like I could sell it at that point. You're delivering a pizza, essentially. Right, right. Like, I really thought that he was going to be, like, teaching them, like, to be on the street and to look out for, you know, police or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, so they go to Anna Faris's house. The best thing in the movie is the fact that Anna Faris is in the scene as, like, a typical Hollywood asshole Mm -hmm. for, like, five or ten minutes before they acknowledge it's Anna Faris playing herself. Yeah, yeah. And they do it. I mean, it's kind of funny because she's just there. It's like, all right, well, this is just somebody who cares. Mm-hmm. And then out of the blue, he says, I loved you in the house, bunny. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of took me back. I was like, wait, oh, okay, I guess they are acknowledging this. Yeah, it's, it's actually Anna Faris. So that was funny to me. And then the fact that they kill Anna Faris mm-hmm. was very, I don't think they did it well enough. I don't think they got as much as they should have out of it. But that's very funny to me that they murdered, like, the person playing themselves. Although I guess they did that in... Zombieland. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like I've seen a lot of these jokes, like this, the context movie-based jokes. Um, like I've seen it done before. Yeah, like Zombieland, they did a little bit better. Actually, that. that was played really like Zombieland because don't they in Zombieland also like pointlessly uh, mention the movies that Bill Murray was in? Like you were going to forget who Bill Murray was. Oh. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Kind of like uh, Brody and Mallrats reciting all the comics that Stanley's made, which I feel like in that it was like warranted because that was before anyone knew who Stan Lee was. Right. Um, but yeah, there's like, oh, all the scary movie or scary. Yeah, the scary movies. Oh, and she did say she was too old for Scary Movie 5, which was funny. That was a, that, Yeah, that was a good joke. I didn't really laugh, but it was good. <laughs> in retrospect, that's yeah. a good joke. 
Yeah, but um, so in terms of like the big set pieces, they just didn't work that well. And then that one was annoying to me because they retroactively made it unfunny by admitting that those people were all actors and nobody was actually killed. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, it was like, what was the point of that? Oh, the point I was trying to make is that uh, they have that scene where they, you know, the mm-hmm. high C, the woman in the gang, murders all those people. Yeah. And then the very next scene, like, it's kind of funny for a while because um, Jordan Peele is freaked out and he's, like, almost crying because he's witnessed murders. Yeah. And then they're on, like, the, 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 the roof of the strip club and he just kind of, like, starts trying to have, like, a romantic moment with her. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, I mean, you just kind of completely changed, you just recovered completely from the fact that you just witnessed a murder. That should be your whole, like, you know, the kink in your in your attempt to go undercover. That should be it from now on. Yeah, and that was what's weird about the movie. It was kind of, it was playing it as if these were, like, two normal guys thrust into this, like, you know, other world. But then mm-hmm. they they just, they both adjust, like, weirdly quickly and at certain points yeah like and i thought they were gonna like uh tell you why uh key could like do a flip off a wall like maybe some like kind of gay sounding reason like he was in <laughs> you know ballet or something yeah but then they both can do it and it's like well what wait <laughs> why was that in the movie yeah that was weird too. that was kind of funny though because he first does the flip because like jordan's not watching him do it yeah but they didn't really even, like, play that up as a joke. Yeah, they just kind of acted like, um, you know, the end of old school where the fat guy does the amazing gymnastics. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of funny in that movie because it's played up as, like, the most improbable, stupid, chance luck thing possible. Mm-hmm. But in this one, I, I really was waiting for there to be, like, you know, in the other guys where uh, Mark Wahlberg, like, he, he, like, does ballet or something? Mm, I didn't see it. Oh, well, that's a that's a good movie. We should do that movie. Um, yeah. But some some kind of reason why he would do that. And I think the whole the whole point of a script like this is generally to do stuff like that where you can say, all right, this guy is a wimp, but he can succeed in this group of toughies because of these like kind of loopholes, you know? Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like that's something they could have pretty easily put in there because they're already, <laughs> they're already setting him up as this like fey character and it's like well you could have just like slipped something in there that he's a dancer i don't know yeah boom um, then you have like a nice tight joke that makes sense instead of like just a weird like non well kind of like uh like the scene where they're comparing scars and he shows his appendix scar yeah that was good okay yeah yeah it's like that works yeah he's got a scar from the it'd be funnier if it was something even more dorky yeah (laughs) But no, I like that. And then also, like, they're driving around his minivan, and, but they're supposed to be hard criminals, but then he, he sells it well, because he's like, well, if you're, you know, driving a regular minivan, no one's going to notice you. It's yeah. like, okay, those, See, yeah, that, those jokes are tight. Yeah, all that stuff works. Um, I mean, the the problem is they spend way too much time, or there's too much of the plot that they get through with, like, extremely unconvincing bullshitting. Yeah, yeah, which makes made me... I mean, it makes sense at the end, spoiler, when they reveal that High C is an undercover cop. But, yeah. like, it, it made me think in the whole, like, beginning that 
somehow everyone was like in on some kind of joke that they were waiting to spring on these guys. Yeah. Which I guess they, maybe, they kind of were. Yeah, because they were going to sell them out to uh, Luis Guzman. Yeah. That was weird, though, because his character, I thought he was one of the best characters in the movie, and part of it was he was playing it, like, a little more cartoonishly than everyone else. The Guzman? Yeah. Yeah. He was playing it at, like, a ho- a more heightened reality level, whereas everyone else was playing it kind of a little too, like, not enough, uh, you know, camp in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. he played that well. He also played up his attachment to the kitten which I thought was probably something they should have emphasized. I, I like the idea that everyone has this weird obsession with the cat, but they don't quite go far enough with it. Well, yeah, because they, they mean, I think they set up well with Jordan's Peel's attachment and Louis Guzman's yeah, attachment, works. but they don't really yeah. play up Method Man's attachment. Yeah, like... Which is, by the I, way, I Method Man's in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't yeah I couldn't get a sense of how much he really wanted to keep the cat and it was just kind of weird it was like they didn't really kind of make it clear that the cat somehow had this like weird spell over everybody that everyone wanted it but at the same time they never acknowledged how weird it was that these guys were willing to do so much work just to get a cat yeah they they could have put something in there just like how he's like mesmerizing how cute he is or something yeah, which uh, I would I would have enjoyed it a lot more if it was more openly like people. I mean, because then he's like a weird MacGuffin and one that's extremely out of place because all these like hardened criminals are, you know, after this tiny cute kitty. Mm-hmm. And that's funny, but I don't know. They just didn't go that far with it. it so it's funny in concept, but like not really in the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the movie as a whole, though. <laughs> yeah, and. Yeah, and that's the thing that happens with this movie, and I just feel like another movie, you know, action comedy, I feel like is more miss than hit. You think? At least when uh, Jackie Chan is not involved. Yeah, that's, what, that's exactly what my brain went. I was like, well, what are some hits? Well, anything Jackie Chan's ever done. <laughs> yeah. But I'm thinking of this, or, um, I mean, Pineapple Express was okay. Probably one of the better versions of this. Yeah. Um. The yeah, like the twenty one. Even Jump that Street is not a great remakes. movie, though. No, it's it's like fine. It's pretty funny, but I mean, yeah, that one's again like not a lot of like written jokes. The jokes from that are more just from like the actors themselves yeah. being funny. Danny McBride specifically. <laughs> yeah, and the, like frames the, Janko. <laughs> yeah, frames Janko, and just getting high all the time. That's always a goof, funny goof. Yeah, that's a good joke. They had well. The thing is, that movie had good um, action comedy set pieces, like the scene where the cop is chasing them because I think they're trying to sell drugs to children <laughs> to make enough money for whatever reason. The cop's chasing them, and then like James Franco tries to like kick the windshield out, but he just sticks his foot through it. <laughs> yeah. Instead, um, I mean that's great because it's it's funny and it's also. Uh, it's kind of exciting in a way because it, like, it's, it's making it harder for him to get away. So it's kind of playing the action and the comedy against themselves well. Whereas this and one... And it's satiring the genre well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because he's trying to do something he's seen in a movie and it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, like, for instance, they have the shootout scene and like uh, Peel is going to run after the kitten and he needs Key to cover him. And Key just picks up a gun and starts like shooting guys in like squat gear 
<laughs> and there's like there's yeah. no real like joke happening. You're just kind of watching something improbable happen. Right. Which I guess um, is supposed and, to be the joke, but yeah, it's not doesn't make you laugh. Yeah. And the whole like get that bitch um theme where the kitten will scratch at something. Mm-hmm. They used that a few times, so that was okay. Um but at least it was like kind of a fusion of like an a-, a generic action scene and then the weird, you know, special ingredient from this movie. Yeah, uh, put together. And, and yeah, and just But it wasn't funny. No, but it yeah, it is like a good callback to the beginning, which I think he perfects and get out with the callback because they're a lot more subtle than this mm. one. But yeah, I mean just too many of the jokes were kind of I think based on just the absurdity of the situation, which I never really think mm-hmm. is like a funny joke. And that's what so many of these like action comedies try and do. It's like in, yeah. in um, 21 Jump Street, like one of the best jokes I guess is when did you see that movie? No. Oh, okay. Well, you someone, can spoil it. I don't care, though. Yeah, someone gets shot in the dick at the end. That's <laughs> <laughs> a funny, you know, it's a funny joke, but it's like more just that idea that's funny than actually when you're actually watching it. It's not yeah, really it, like making you laugh very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I don't know. I so I I would have. I don't know. It's weird to say because, it's, again, it's comedy, but it's weird because they say comedy is harder than drama, and I think that's probably true because um, you look at a movie like this, and, like, little things annoyed me, like the fact that uh, Key at one point, I, I mean, it's not really super established. You kind of assume he's fairly straight edge because Peel smokes weed all the time, yeah. but Key seems like he doesn't, or at least he doesn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, for whatever reason, there's a very light, amount of friction between key and peel about who is integrated more into the group yeah um and annoyingly peel never mentions that he was witness to a murder uh it felt like that would be like you know you're always waiting for the wrench that's gonna like you know spoil this good grift that they're running but anyway instead it comes down to he makes key smoke weed um but he, he tries to pass it off saying, oh, I, I only use a pipe. So the guy finds him a pipe and he smokes it. And then they're like, oh, that wasn't weed. That was the crazy drugs we're selling. The, and he goes into yeah. a pretty good sequence of like, especially the way it's shot. It looks like an old like 90s like VH1 video with George Michael. Uh-huh. Um, but then he just comes out of it all of a sudden. Yeah, and he comes out and, of it and he's fine. And he actually... Uh, benefits himself because he finds his ring somehow <laughs> his wedding ring yeah so it it's just like the whole point of that scene was just to get a funny george michael reference in there which i assume this this must have happened really not too much like earlier than george michael's untimely death so that's well yeah it came out about kind of bizarre about almost exactly a year ago because it, pr- it premiered at south by southwest in 2016 okay so less than a year before uh george michael died yeah which is weird very weird um <laughs> it was very yeah it, it made me yeah it was weird <laughs> um because yeah the, so just stuff like that it seems like it's like they had an idea and they wrote it but they didn't come up with the like okay and then because of this this happened so if you had a movie where these guys you know bluff their way in you know maybe a little more convincingly into this inner ring but they get fucked up because the one guy accidentally does drugs and the other guy accidentally witnesses a murder and is you know shitting his pants about it that's much more funny to me to then watch, you know, how they deal with this extra yeah. 
you know, weight on them. Kind of like the end of Princess Bride where Wesley is uh, incapacitated. And it's funnier right. to see him deal with the results of that than if he was just, you know, if he had just woken up from the pill and he was fine, that's pretty boring. That's like, all right, so we just went to, the whole point of that was just to get that Billy Crystal scene. Right, right exactly. Yeah, so the whole yeah, point of this was just for the George Michael scene. And the Keanu, yeah. I guess, cameo. Yeah, speaking, yeah. Uh, which, yeah, the Matrix reference. The Matrix which was okay. Which, if you didn't know that was Keanu Reeves' voice, would you have been able to point it out? Uh, no, because I didn't know that, and I thought that because I thought, I th- well, the thing is, I think at one point he goes, "Oh, Keanu, I get it," and I'm like, "Oh, is that Keanu Reeves' voice?" And even after he said that, I was like, "No, it doesn't sound like it." That's what I, that's what I thought too. I knew it was his <laughs> voice, but I was listening I'm like, "That doesn't sound like him at all." But maybe no, it really doesn't. I assumed it was just one of them doing the voice or some random dude. Yeah. But back, yeah, back to the like the taking the drug scene. I feel like that's always for me. That's like such an easy joke that yeah, will the make straight me laugh. guy accidentally doing a drug. Yeah, like it's wrote and it's contrived, but it it still always gets a good laugh. Like a guy just being totally high out of his mind, like trying to uh, interact in the world. Yeah, like just a solid physical comedy opportunity there. But yeah, they just don't yeah. they don't do anything with it. And he gets <laughs> the weird part is too. Like he not only he comes out of it and he's just like perfectly fine. That's, yeah, exactly. So the problem is, instead of him doing the drugs and then having to deal with the stress of what he's doing while on drugs, which is funny. Especially. He just goes to an alternate dimension, dances for a while. And I thought they were going to like cut back and he's going to be like doing goofy-ass dancing yeah. like, in the club and everyone's going to be like, what the fuck? Yeah, another yeah solid joke. Another solid joke. Yeah, exactly. Um, but instead, like literally nothing comes out of it. <laughs> it's really weird. Especially yeah. because they... They sell this drug as being such a crazy, insane <laughs> drug. It's called holy shit because your your trip is insane. But yeah, I guess it has zero uh, zero hangover. Yeah, it would have been funny if he was then addicted to it. I mean, the thing is, even if you look back way back when when Dumbo gets drunk in Dumbo, <laughs> that actually leads to the major plot point of the movie because he wakes up in a tree. So you can't just True. have a drug. I mean, and as, that's an awesome drug sequence, that pink <laughs> elephant scene. Probably like, one it of would the best be ever. fine. Yeah. For its own sake, it would be fine. But it's not for its own sake. Mm-hmm. So you can't just do it for its own sake, folks. Yeah. So much of this movie just seems like it was like, well, this happens and then this happens and then this happens. But it doesn't like yeah. string together. Like they, Like at the end, they get captured by the allentown boys that they were impersonating the whole time yeah and that seems like it's a big like coming to a head of everything this movie's been setting up but then Mm -hmm. they just kill them and that's it yeah i I really (laughs) thought those guys were going to keep chasing them and this would be like an extended thing yeah like either yeah either they're like unkillable and they keep coming after them i thought that they were going to parlay that into you know, showing how hard they are to Method Man's gang. Because they're, yeah, they're coming at him. And they're like, you're, yeah, you're not hard. It's like, well, here, come in here. We killed these two guys. <laughs> yeah. But they don't mention it again in the rest of the movie. No, and annoyingly, they don't even mention it after Method Man's going to sell them to Luis Guzman because they are the, you know, as if they are the Allentown boys because they killed his cousin. And they could have then just be like, no, we aren't the Allentown boys. We killed them. Like, 
you owe us one or like we're cool like we killed the guys right. who killed your cousin yeah anything but there's just not another yeah. mention of it <laughs> no yeah so that's, that's what i'm saying it really feels like a like a first draft and maybe they had like a tight like a you know turnover where they just we oh we've got like you know in between shooting our show we've got like you know like six weeks that we can make a movie if we do it now but the script has to be done tomorrow <laughs> yeah yeah it yeah it could have used a diablo cody punch out yeah they needed diablo cody to punch a rob punch reiner a bit <laughs> uh yeah i don't know who does that kind of thing but um it could use i mean it's just we it was weird to see so many I mean, not that there are a lot of huge set pieces, but just like to see kind of nothing. Even the the chase scene at the end with the cars, um, there I don't. There's not really a joke in it. I don't think. Wait, which which scene? Sorry. Where they're just where they're driving. There, there's the car chase at the end. Oh yeah. Where Peel is driving Luis Guzman around, like back to his house for whatever reason. Like I don't know what where they're trying to get to. Yeah, he was driving back to. Peel was driving back to Key's house. But I don't really yeah. know. He never really, he never really made it seem that that was his intention. So I couldn't really tell if that was on yeah. purpose or not, or just an extreme coincidence. Yeah, uh, like why that mattered, how what that would do for them. I did, I did actually one of the best jokes, although I can't remember it, so it must not have been that good. But I, <laughs> one of the best laughs I had was um, after uh, Luis Guzman gets thrown from the truck, and then he gets hit by the car, and then he gets back up again, and he's like, "I'm unkillable." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he, I mean, he 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 really played that perfectly. I think part of the, I mean, there's a lot of script problems mm-hmm. um, where they ring enough gags out of it. But I think just the tone of it, like almost nobody in the cast played the tone right except Luis Guzman. <laughs> yeah, he's just a constant professional. <laughs> <laughs> he just really is. He well, just, I mean, if if he was the main villain, that might have been better. I mean, Method Man, I felt like was kind of a waste. Yeah, in the movie. definitely. Yeah, I should have had a little bit more Guzman. A little bit more Rob Hubel, too. I thought he was going to be, like, a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, it would have been fun if they had found a way to get more straight people in, like, suck more straight. Like, they had, like, um, you know, the return of Will Forte at the end, and it felt oh, like yeah, that yeah. might be a fun mix-up because now, you know, it's this guy from their other life, you know, in the mix, but then nothing happened with him. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's right. I was... Yeah, for sure they're going to open the jungles and be like, hey, Clarence and Rel. Yeah. But, yeah, not only did that didn't happen, but it didn't matter because I guess the whole time Method Man didn't care who they were. It's so weird. It was, yeah, it was annoying. The, um, but, <laughs> well, jumping back to the, the end, another weird, like, tone kind of miscue, I guess. The whole time, <laughs> the whole time like... Clarence, his wife is out, uh, like on some weird like weekend retreat with Rob Hubel and the all the daughters. Yeah, what the out. fuck was that? I don't even know what the fuck that was. <laughs> yeah, like that. They, like people do that camping with the girls or something. Yeah, but they're in a house together. It was very weird. Um, yeah, so that I mean it that was, doesn't go anywhere. It was telegraphed kind of kind of immediately too. It's like oh this guy's like gonna fuck his wife. Yeah, but it they make it out at the beginning almost like she's like just cheating on him with Rob Hubel. Yeah, I thought that was the joke because it was kind of funny how like dickless he was about like very obviously kind of putting two to two together, but then still being like, "All right, have a good weekend." <laughs> yeah, because 
I guess the the main arc of the movie is Key's character going from a dickless guy to like a hard hardman. But yeah, <laughs> it's it doesn't like it doesn't <laughs> transition well. The journey is like all over the place, and they get to that yeah. result, I guess. But it's just a very it doesn't feel very satisfying. And the thing I was trying to get to was uh, at the very end they kill Luis Guzman. He's shot dead on the front <laughs> lawn. There's a car crashed into their house, and the wife just pulls yeah. up. She's like. What's going on here? And then, Key, what what does Key say? I don't know. What he says something, and then there's like he says like everyone stay in the car. Um, oh yeah, and, and he then punches Rob Hubel. Comes out and punches him out. And yeah. then the wife's just like, "Do me right now." It's like yeah. what? Like she was she was getting mad at him for being in a strip club, <laughs> like twenty minutes ago. This yeah, so and then weird. at the very end of the movie, like they've kind of like cartoonishly transformed into like a stereotypical prisoner and like prison wife. Yeah. Like titties against the glass for him. <laughs> um which again, I mean, I mean that's that's fine, but it's tonally very different from the rest of the movie. I mean, that's something to do in a much more slapstick almost, you know, Farrelly Brothers kind of movie. Yeah. And it it just it's really weird how tone can fuck up a comedy. I because it feels uh, pedantic to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Good word. Because it's not like, a, you know, like you were saying, Get Out is, you know, a, a tense movie. You know, it's a slow boiling, you know, it just makes you feel squeamish. Whereas, yeah, so you understand, it, tone, but I mean, tone and comedy, it really, you need to have like the groundwork of like, all right, what am I laughing at? And like, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we agreed. Princess Bride had like a really perfect tone that kind of all the jokes were right in the same register of like not quite parody. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of Toad soft and a little bit goofy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, uh, yeah. And get out. I think uh, I, I was probably underselling the humor part of it. I've, I'm forgetting a few parts I'm remembering now, but it, it keeps the tone really well, even when it goes like cuts to more of like a comedic character and moment. I don't know that it, it's just it's just so funny that you know you can see the progression from this movie to Get Out where he like finally is, I mean nailing all the stuff he's trying to do. Yeah, well they fucking dumped Alex Rubens is why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe that guy sucks. And I mean maybe not. It, it pro- yeah, it's I mean yeah it's probably partly just a you know he hit a better topic maybe or I don't know. Well, I just think that, like, the comedy action movie, I think, is just really hard. And, like, most of the jokes you can get out of it have been done before better. Yeah. Like, this movie, I mean, none of the jokes are really, like, that original. The whole, like, nerdy guy trying to be hard. Like, we've seen Mm -hmm. that before. So, I I mean, I guess it it has a different tone because now it's, you know, the black guy is trying to, um, like, fit the gangster persona that they people think they should be but Mm -hmm. it's still kind of going back to the same ideas we've seen yeah it actually reminded me a lot of a script that someone uh had turned in in that that class i took in in california and i can't remember what the plot of it was but it was like a white guy who wrote it and i remember all of the characters who were supposed to be like hardened you know drug dealers or pimps were all like really broad (laughs) embarrassing kind of stereotypes yeah kind of like come on man 
And so I kind of felt the same thing, especially all these characters with like goofy names like Stitches and High C and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, that's the other and thing too. All the they've got like this group of characters to work with in the gang, but like they're all basically the same character. Yeah, and it's annoying because the guy, uh, one of them, Jason Mitchell, who's Bud in this movie, he's oh yeah, the uh, NWA dude. Yeah, Easy-E. he's so freaking good as Easy E. <laughs> Compton. Now, I really wanted a lot more out of him. <laughs> he's like by far the best part of that movie. But they wasted. Yeah, they it. just didn't have much to do in this. Yeah, because he's just he's tied in with those other two guys, Trunk and Stitches, Stitches and they're just kind yeah. of all the same person essentially. Like they have yeah. their little quirks, but there's like they're, deep down, there's they're not really much there. Yeah, it's kind of like some of the uh, drug dealers in, like, Breaking Bad, where they are very much written as, like, kind of a, like a white nerd's idea of what <laughs> a drug dealer would be like. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, oh, drug dealer A, drug dealer B. Yeah, and it's, I don't know. I mean, they just have to have more, like, ask, like, you know, Ice Cube. He's in Hollywood. Ask him, <laughs> like, hey, just tell me about some drug dealers you knew. <laughs> Maybe if you could introduce me to some drug dealers, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Just one drug dealer. <laughs> Introduce me to one drug dealer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it just seems like they could have spent a little more time on character development. Yeah. And cut out a lot of like the run on jokes. Like that, that we were talking about that that George Michael scene where they listened to it in the car. And like, yeah, hey, that's a that's a funny idea, but I feel like you could have had that joke been like thirty seconds. Like, yeah. Do you do the joke where he he introduces it to them, and he's like trying to sell it, and then they're all really skeptical, and then you cut away back to Peel in the house, and you cut back, and then they're all singing it. Yeah, kind of like uh, the Tommy Boy joke when they hit upon that Spanish language song on the radio. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Eras two, eras two. Yeah, and they're crying listening to it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, yeah. That'd be funny. I, I think that's be a funnier joke if they don't like george michael at all and that just kind of keep i I would have preferred to have seen them continually dig themselves into a deeper deeper hole um yeah it kind of worked with everybody either do that or have the whole thing be like a setup of them which i is like they kind of what they were trying to do it seems like method man seems like he was was a step ahead yeah it was yeah it was a half measure yeah um, I mean, I would have been fine with them succeeding, but I think that that's the hardest one because I think you have to f- come up with clever ways why incredibly dorky things would be useful. Um, but like that guy being like a management consultant, I feel like you could have parlayed that in some way into coming up with some like, you know, stupid team strategies. Mm. Um, kinda, I mean, because that's all Breaking Bad is. It's a, it's a guy who's a complete nerd who's take on life just happens to translate really well to drug dealing right like not just in the drug he makes but also just like some of the solutions he has to his problems with other gangsters kind of yeah you know when he has that explosive material i can't remember how it works but he like you know he chucks it on the ground and it blows it up and he's like oh this science guy <laughs> yeah um yeah it's... that's i think the hardest avenue to do i think the easiest would be to have them just somehow I mean, I think, didn't Date Night do that, where they, like, really, they somehow flub their way into, like, a criminal underground, and then they have to pull themselves out, but there's there's not much of it 
like there's that initial act of accidentally getting into the criminal underground mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is just them trying to escape it that's yeah. not a good movie either but <laughs> i mean you know what i mean yeah but it, for you know for these guys like in this movie and you know get out and all their sketches and key and peel you can tell that they're both like huge fans of film and movies because mm-hmm. like in the beginning of this they have all the the kitty yeah, calendar the, the, the fucking new jack city <laughs> poster on the wall yeah the movie we the were movie i to wanted watch. to watch <laughs> Yeah, I, I kept noting that, and the cat, uh, Method Man, named him New Jack too. So, yeah, <laughs> I kept referencing that. Yeah, no, yeah, so, the, the calendar and whatnot. That was that was pretty good. He definitely liked movies. Yeah, and you can tell they they know movies, so you would think that they could put together a genre film like this and really just borrow so many other ideas, since it's not really yeah, a, like Hot Fuzz. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, they could have just made Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Come on, guys. That movie was great. I don't know. Just so many things they were trying, I feel like, have been done better elsewhere, and they could have just basically copied that into this movie, <laughs> and it would have been better yeah. movie. Yeah, and um, I definitely think if the movie's named after the cat, the cat has to be a way bigger part of the movie. Um, I mean, I like and I said, if- I like the idea of the cat being almost like a there's something about Mary figure that like everyone is obsessed with to like a bizarre degree yeah they, yeah they should have played that up the fact but that they, they, yeah, named, they didn't really in, in naming the cat keanu and not really <laughs> making too many keanu reeves jokes <laughs> was kind of a, a miss especially yeah. because a lot of people when it came out i guess people thought it was like a spoof on john wick because that's oh, about yeah. him getting his well, dog maybe it was i didn't see john wick well no apparently it's not <laughs> <laughs> really? That's what they. I mean, Wait, that's that what they said. about him getting his dog taken. Yeah, it's his dog is taken, and he's just like fighting the gangs to get him back. Basically, I haven't seen oh, it, but that's, that does sound like it was based on it. Then, yeah, exactly. I mean, according to them, it wasn't. It was like written. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was just like a happenstance. Oh, that's bizarre. Did they at least name him Keanu? Because like at that point, the script was like, oh, this is so similar. We have to. Uh, not. I mean, not out. that I read, but. You would think you'd have to, right? <laughs> There's no way that's that big of a coincidence. Yeah. It does make it confusing, though. Like, when I was watching it, um, like, my wife asked, like, 40 times, like, well, what Keanu movie? I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to put the movie on. Yeah, it says they they were unaware of John Wick until work on Keanu had already started. Hmm. But Keanu Reeves himself, according to this, got in touch with their production team, and that's when he provided his voice for the character. Hmm. So it is still some Keanu Reeves movies. Yeah, you want to do Point Break, don't you? I've never seen Point Break. Yeah, we should do Point Break. Oh, Ooh, and there's a, there's a remake that's probably hot garbage. Let's do that then. Let's do Point Break and we'll do Point Break. We'll do a, another clone episode. Phone, phone episode? Or clone episode? Clone. Oh, yeah. Attack of the, Attack of the Clowns. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Well, let's. One thing I'd like to do is, because uh, it came up during when we were talking about Princess Bride and Stardust. Uh-huh. Why don't we do what the the a companion piece? You know, what movie would be good to watch either instead of this or in addition to this? Hmm. One that I I kept thinking of. I don't think it would be a better movie. Uh, but did you ever see? Remember that Derek Comedy Group? With yeah, yeah, yeah. So they made that the movie uh, like Action Squad or something. 
Oh, mystery team. Mystery team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, which is like very much the same movie because it's just like nerds getting involved in crimes. Yeah, it's and it's also the movie of the skit. Yeah, yeah, it's just one big skit stretched out. But <laughs> and the main joke, it's it's also one main joke stretched out, which the joke. I mean, the joke of that is a better joke, which is what happens when, like, the, you know, nine-year-old mystery team all become, like, 20-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, they're still, yeah, still doing the same thing. It was like, I'm the smartest boy on the world, or, or whatever it is. <laughs> He's like, Master of disguise, yeah. boy genius, and the strongest kid in <laughs> <Yeah>. town. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good pick. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing that movie with my friend, and we went to the theater and they weren't even going to play the movie because there was no one else there. <laughs> so we had to like tell the the projectionist, like, hey, there's actually people who bought tickets for this. <laughs> we actually bought a ticket for this. You have to play it. I'm sorry. Uh, I made $89,000. Wow. Jesus Christ. I'm surprised yeah, that it even was... came out in theaters. <laughs> yeah, I am too. When I saw it, I was, I mean, because it, it, it barely feels like a movie that would come out in theaters. It yeah. feels like something that would be like a film festival darling, maybe. But hey, like not a big film festival. Premiered at Sundance. Oh, damn. Um, yeah, dude, that's a good pick. Uh, my pick would probably be Pineapple Express. I think it's mm-hmm. just the the better version of this movie. And I think it gets more mileage out of the whole regular guy's doing an action movie like i love that the 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 what's it called like kind of the debriefing scene after the the main climax of the movie where they're all at like ihop or something just <laughs> like bloody <laughs> <laughs> yeah just play the one guy's like definitely bleeding out and it's kind of like the it's kind of like the debriefing scene after the big fight in anchorman where they're kind of like just like blown away at what happened yeah yeah it's like as if they were watching it too <laughs> yeah um, yeah, that's who's, a the, who's the hardest man in this one? I mean, any movie that has Method Man in it, I think he's got. It's got to be Method Man, yeah. And his, I think that's true. His character's name is Cheddar, and I I didn't I don't know if I saw that scene or not, but he plays a character named Cheese on the Wire. So is I wonder that if that was a callback. The, uh, the Dean in Old School, Cheese. <laughs> that's his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> cheese that's a good line that's a good reading just vince vaughn saying cheese <laughs> did we throw you in a dumpster <laughs> that'd be something we could do we could do movies of actors who we've disparaged their best films who are we disparaging in that movie uh vince vaughn from uh, hmm. uh heartbreak hill or the fuck that movie was called heartbreak oh uh, hacksaw ridge uh, yeah yeah, so we do rede- redemption takes. Yeah, yeah. The best film of this, I mean, the best movie of his is probably always going to be Swingers, but whatever. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I I do Swingers then. Um, Who's your hardest man? I, I would have to say Luis Guzman, just because <laughs> he. Uh, I mean, for one thing, he really does deserve a lot of credit for getting this one right. If he if he had been able to infect the rest of the cast, it would have elevated it. Um, and yeah, just you he, know, he does survive the most abuse. Yeah, yeah. I think if they just maybe introduced his character earlier. Would have yeah. elevated the movie a little bit. Uh, I think it's worth pointing out the best the best guy in a movie that's not so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think um, Roger Ebert pointed out that Peter Postlethwaite uh, was like the only guy in the Lost World, also featuring Vince Vaughn in a terrible hey. role. Um, that might be his worst. He was like the only guy in that movie who like actually played it correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, Louis definitely 
he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Um, we are in a weird zone where we haven't posted the previous podcast yet, so I haven't listened through it to see what corrections we need to make. Yep, no corrections. We're perfect. Well, I did pronounce Inigo Montoya like Inigo. <laughs> yeah, well, I corrected you at the time. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like um, Fezzik calls him Inigo. Well, Fezzik is a man with a <laughs> strange voice. Yeah. Um, he also calls Vicini Vincini every single time. <laughs> How can you even tell? Uh, I don't know. I, you know, the thing is, I watched that movie again afterwards because, uh, you know, my my uh, little girl is five. She'd never seen it. And I was right. just like, geez, she'd probably really like it. Mm-hmm. And, oh, one thing I meant to tell you is, um, like, three minutes into the movie, like, as soon as the man in black is like appears she's like i wonder who that is it's probably the as you wish guy like oh okay well, that answers that question. smarter than me <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> hmm. good for her all right so what are we doing next week do we have a plan uh hopefully i mean logan would be something to talk about we'd, have, we'd have to do you know what we could do if you have the time I we don't. could just do a uh, all the X Men movies. We'll do a Logan. <sighs> we could do a Logan review and then just like talk about the X Men movies in general, like rank them. Maybe we've always talked about doing that. Yeah, that would require me to watch a few. Um, I'd have to only watch Apocalypse. Man, no, I would have to watch X Three, all the new ones. <laughs> which what there's well, three you, now. X X Three X Men Origins Wolverine, right? The X Men Origins you Wolverine. Seen that one? No, I have not. You've seen, seen the Wolverine. I've seen the Wolverine. Yeah, we talked about it. And then you'd have to see Days of Future Past and Apocalypse. So oh, there's, o- only... there's only two of those. <laughs> it's only five yeah. movies. <laughs> only f- well, in addition, to also seeing Logan. <laughs> yeah, <that's enough. laughs> yeah, so that's not gonna happen. Well, we could do. I it mean, anyway. I could talk if about we brought Frankie on board. Yeah, Frankie will hold court, and I can talk. Just about talk around the... you. <laughs> yeah, I could talk about the TV show. <laughs> The TV, <laughs> the X Men TV show, uh, the best version of Wolverine. I wonder who, what actor that is. You know, it's weird how some actors like Kevin Conroy doing Batman, the voice actor, or Peter Cullen doing Optimus Prime. They get, they get their due. But who did any of the voices on the original X Men show? Does anyone know? Yeah, anybody, anybody? I don't know. Hmm. I, yeah, I couldn't name a single one. But the, that Wolverine was yeah, pretty great. Yeah, he was just the well, graveliest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, yeah, so maybe we'll do that. And if not, we'll do something else. And we'll just throw a curveball like we did probably this week and last week and every week. Yeah, there is, you know, something written about Logan on the site. Um, That's right. Frankie wrote a review for it. I'm going to try to write something about Get Out, especially because I feel like I didn't do a very good job talking about it. (laughs) I'm a writer, not a speaker. I'm also not a writer. (laughs) Um... Yeah, we, what we should do is just kind of a Arrested Development style, just always preview something that we do not follow up on in the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, next week we're going to do all the Lord of the Rings special editions, <laughs> minute by minute. Yeah, wait for it, folks. All right, that's it for us tonight. We love you, listener. Keep it tight. Insubordinate. And churlish.